Hey, this is JJ Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. We see trends everywhere. On the news, social media, through our friends and family. They spark up like wildfires and suddenly disappear over and over again. Laughing at because you're not going to be laughing soon. You're going to be shivering soon. You know, we're almost ready for the ice bucket challenge that's been sweeping the nation, going viral. But the Great Commission has been trending for more than 2,000 years when Jesus Christ set in motion the words that have inspired countless people to share the Word of God. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells His apostles to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You guys are nice. (laughs) Two claps, that's pretty good. (laughs) It is great to be home, great to be back here. It's very much my home church. It's been a wonderful 15, 16 years now, relationship and connection. And especially as I was at Craig and rehabilitation four years ago for almost two and a half months, I just again have felt such a, a bonding with all of you. And so I feel at home coming here. I love it, you know, and so thank you so much for all you do and for letting me come home. So I just want to give a little update on me, um, my medical situation. Those of you who were involved with it um, four years ago when I had this crazy accident, fell off a cliff, lost 65% of my blood in Hawaii, was rescued by a helicopter, brought to a hospital in Honolulu in Hawaii, where after operation, the doctor said, I lost too much blood, 65%. I would not make it, and I would die during the night. And I'm standing here today. (laughs) Woo! God is so good. He's so good. So many stories about that time and then rehab here, and I got here, and the head doctor said, you're going to be here a minimum of nine months. After six weeks, he said, you're the fastest healing patient I've ever seen. You're going home after two and a half months. So since that time, no meds. When it started, I was 28 meds a day, and now three and a half years, no meds. And it's just been filled with so many beautiful, beautiful moments. I do everything I used to. I run, I talk, I yell, I get mad, I, everything I used to do. Brain injury can mess you up. I was basically like a six-month-year-old baby. Like I had to learn, relearn everything about how to do life again. I was fully paralyzed on this side. I was blind, fully paralyzed in my legs. I had broken seven nerves on, on my face. And yet, today, I'm doing everything I used to. So it's just all glory to Jesus. 
Last year, I was having a coffee at our YWAM base in Hawaii, where I live. And as I was having a coffee and walking away, I walked one direction, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, go the other direction, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so I walked this way, and a lady who wouldn't have seen me where I was sitting, but when I got farther this way, she did see me, runs up to me. She said, Dan Bauman. I said, hi, do I know you? <laughs> She's like, no, <laughs> but I know you. <laughs> I'm like, tell me your story. She said, it was over three years ago that I live in Honolulu with my husband. And it was just yesterday that me and my husband felt to come here today to have a coffee at this hour. And it was three years ago, though, that I was doing my daily life and my best friend is a head nurse at the ICU at the main hospital in Honolulu. And she asked me to come in to do intercession. And she asked me specifically to come in and pray for a new patient, which was you. And I spent 48 days in the beginning of your time sitting in your room. I'm all unconscious praying for you. And this is my first chance to see you since that day. I'm like, wow. Thank you for praying. <laughs> Incredible, you know? Another moment with my accident, flying back from San Francisco back to Hawaii on one of my trips a couple years ago. I feel a tap on my shoulder as I got off the plane. I look around and it's a man, Chinese man, maybe mid-30s, 40s. He said, are you Dan Bauman? I said, yes. I said, hi. What's your name? He's like, my name is Dr. So-and-so. And, -so. and uh, I said, do you know me? He said, sir, I was an intern at the Queens Hospital in Honolulu for four weeks in the ICU when you came in. Every day we talked among the doctors because we knew that you would not live. I can't believe that today I'm standing here talking to you. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. He gave me his card. He said, now I work at Stanford at the medical center there. Anything you need, just call me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. That's who Jesus is. I love how he just takes care of us. Because uh, he's really, really good. Since the last six months of our lives, lives has been very, very different. For me, it was also very different. <laughs> Traveling and speaking a lot is what I do. Mid-March, I was in Texas, and one of my friends said, Dan, the country's going to shut down. Why don't you just stay here? I'm like, okay. And I had to cancel 24 speaking engagements. And I stayed with my friend for one night for dinner, and it ended up being 11 weeks. <laughs> and that was my lockdown time. God challenged me to do a New Testament study to get more scriptures with a lot of the stories that I tell, and it was actually a beautiful time. And since then, I did a little traveling around the States, but then since then, I've been back in Hawaii, and as I was looking at the fall, I was like, what should I do? And I just felt like God say, stay in your lane. And I'm like, well, okay, which basically means kind of do what you do. And so I looked at it, and back in January, when things were quite normal, I felt like God said, plan the year. In the year was a travel schedule in this fall. 
So now fast forward to August, I'm thinking, okay, that's going to change. <laughs> and God's like, why is it going to change? I'm like, uh, I don't know, because <laughs> everyone says it should change. <laughs> like you can't travel. Ah. So I just lean into God and God just said, Dan, do what you do. Because God has not changed. He hasn't changed. And so I started traveling and I just flew in from Dubai. <laughs> Can we go to Dubai? I did. <laughs> in and out, had a great time. We were running a new school there, very exciting. And from here, I'm going to Washington, D.C., then to Tijuana, and then I'm going to Brazil. <laughs> How am I going to do all that? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. And yes, of course, taking all safety precautions. And yes, it's, it's place to place seeing what their rules are with engagement. But we're walking into a new day where it's slowly, I think, going to open up more and more. And we're going to get to do what God's called us to do. Because God is on the throne. He's really good. Uh, and I like him. Why I'm in youth with a mission. We're doing well. We haven't lost many people during these days, which I'm just so grateful for. We continue to run with Lauren Cunningham's dream, which is ending Bible poverty, which he started about five years ago, connecting about 100 organizations in the body of Christ. They now have a projection that in 2022, every person on the earth will have had access to the Bible. First time ever in history. So yeah, that's what God's doing with us. We're about 28,000 full-time staff, and we're just doing well. We have now 24 ships. We're going into the remotest places of the earth, on the islands, with ships, with the gospel, and doing things. And YWAM has always just seen so much open doors and growing, and we thought, oh, it's all going to shut down. God hasn't changed. <laughs> and we're starting to move forward. Just about one week ago, we started our fall schools. We run over 900 discipleship schools a year across the world. It's a lot of what I do. I go and teach for a week in our schools. Well, in Hawaii, we have our biggest one, and we just had 350 new people come a week ago. I don't know if you follow, the state, different states have different regulations. Hawaii still has a two-week quarantine, mandatory for everyone who comes. So every student we called and told them about it, and they all said, it don't matter, we're coming. And so we're all excited. These guys are committed. And next week, they get out of their quarantine, and they can actually start meeting together. And yeah, even with the restrictions, God is raising up a whole new group of people on fire wanting to serve the Lord and do what he's called us to do, that nothing would get in the way because God hasn't changed. As I prayed about this morning, I felt like God challenged me to talk about four different areas of, of things that he's been stirring in my heart during these last six months. And the first one is really, really simple. And it's simply this, that God still is madly in love with us. That God is still madly in love with you. That God is still madly in love with me. Those of you who've heard me here before share my story. It all started for me when I was 16. I grew up in a church in California where I grew up. And I'd heard about God and I knew about God. I knew God in a sense. I was a Christian, 
but it was more in my head than in my heart. How do you get Christianity from just a, a religion to an actual relationship? I didn't know how to do that. And when I was 16, a man came to my church and what he said would not only change my life then, but it would continue to change my life now. And this is what he said. Everything you do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. Everything you do for God should come from intimacy with God. And I remember hearing it thinking, okay, that sounds right, but how do you get that? How do you get intimacy with God? So I took that afternoon off. There was a river and I went and found these rocks and I'm throwing them in the river, kind of minding my own business. And I started thinking about how do you get intimacy with God? And that's when I heard this voice in my head. And it said, hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? So I kept throwing rocks. Like, how do you get close with God? Like on Monday at the gas station. How do you get close with God on Tuesday at work? How do you get close with God when you're running to get something at the store? I don't know. And then I heard it again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, okay, what was that? So I kept throwing rocks. Like, how do you get close with God like he's a real friend? Like we love our friends. Could he be that? And I kept throwing these rocks and I couldn't figure it out, but I kept hearing that question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped. I'm like, where is that voice coming from, you know? I don't think it's the devil, right? He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, <laughs> not with us. I don't think it's me unless I'm going psycho. <laughs> but it can't be God. No, God's out there, you know, and he's great. And he's really only interested that I do the important things. And throwing rocks <laughs> really had no meaning, right? Why would he care? So I kept throwing rocks, but I kept hearing it. So I finally stopped and like, Jesus, is that really you, God? Yes, you can throw rocks with me, but why? And that's when I felt God look down from heaven and said these simple words, because you want to. I'm like, that's it? It's like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I found out that Jesus was madly in love with me. He wasn't just in love with me for what I would do for him. He wasn't just in love with me for what I could become, no. He was in love with me for me. That if I want to go for a walk, he wants to go for a walk. That if I want to go to the beach, he wants to go to the beach. That if I want to play sports, he wants to play sports. Why? Simply because he enjoys my company. I didn't enjoy my own company. I didn't like myself that much. On that day, I found out that Jesus likes me. Ha <laughs> ha. He likes us. He really likes us. Tell your neighbor, Jesus likes you. <laughs> he really likes us. And the more I began to discover that, the more it changed my life. I meet two kinds of Christians as I travel. Those that are living for the Father's approval and those that are living from the Father's approval. So many Christians, if I just do a little bit more, God will be happy with me. And then there's so many that are like, no, 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 he loves me and I'm in. And we can live our whole life from that reality. The beauty of being overwhelmed by Jesus. As I began to discover at that day, what I didn't know is I would continue to discover it again and again and again. My journey's been like this. 
many days waking up, Jesus, good morning. What do you want me to do? And Jesus says, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> and life goes on and, okay, God, good morning. What should I do? And God says, Dan, good to see you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> like the love of God is an unending ocean. The Christian life is to wake up and realize God loves us. Oh my gosh, I want to be a Christian. <laughs> that sounds awesome. When I'm 90 years old, I want to be in an old people's home. <laughs> I love those places. <laughs> you get to be with your friends every day. <laughs> you get to learn their name every day. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and when I'm 90, I think it's going to be like this. Jesus, good morning. What should I do? He's going to be like, Dan, good to see you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. <laughs> and the love of God is overwhelming my life again and again and again. Like, what would we do right now if Jesus walked through that door? I would quit talking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All of us would quit thinking about whatever was on our mind this morning. All of us would forget about what's on our mind after this meeting. All of us would forget about tomorrow. Why? Oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> He's with us, friends. He's with us. He's with us. Here's another way to look at it. If I offered you two things, 20 bucks or 2,000 bucks, and you had to choose one, which would you choose? 2,000. <laughs> if not, we need to talk. <laughs> then when you take that 2,000, are you going to worry about the 20 you didn't get? No. Why? Because what you got was so much better. And this is the Christian life. The more we discover Jesus, that God is for us, it changes everything. And we began to discover the love of God. Why? Because he's really, really good. He's really, really good. He's really good. Earlier in the year, when we were traveling, I actually visited Afghanistan and had a great time there in February. I go there twice a year. It was just about a month ago, I was visiting California and my friend had invited me over for lunch. He said, oh, my girlfriend's parents want to meet you. And I'm like, okay. And so I went there to this house. We had a meal. <clears throat> and my friend's girlfriend's mom in her 50s was talking to me. And she's like, sir, do you ever go to Afghanistan? I'm like, all the time. Yeah, I lived there 10 years and I go there twice a year now. She's like, oh, my best friend growing up in Korea works there. I'm like, who is she? She goes, oh, it tells me her name. And I'm like, she's a good friend of mine. She's like, what? I said, where does she work? She goes, she works at a computer software company there in Kabul, Afghanistan, outsourced from Texas. I said, first rate. She's like, no way. You know the name of it? I said, I work there too. I go there twice a year. I take out my phone and they had grown up until they were like 25 in South Korea as best friends until they left. One went to Seattle, one went to California. 
And I take out my phone and said, in February, we had dinner together and I show a picture of her best friend. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He rearranges things. Why? Because he wanted her to know that, that God really likes her. He'd really like her to bring this random guy into her house one day to show her a picture of her best friend. <laughs> that's who God is. Yeah. Another thing that's been stirring on my heart in these days has been the simple reality of hearing God. Such a beautiful part of our journey. But man, in these last few months, it's been harder in many ways. Sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much noise out there. And God's been challenging me. No, he's still, God's still the same. That nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. So much of my journey of hearing God has been this journey of realizing that God doesn't want me to be 100% sure of what to do. I've spent so much of my life, I'm not doing anything until I'm 100% sure it's God. <laughs> and the reality is, is that most guidance, it's somewhere between 51 to 99% sure it's God. <laughs> like, I think it's God. <laughs> like, I hope it's God. <laughs> like, it better be God. <laughs> And so many times in my life, God has wanted me to trust God's character more than I trust myself. Trust his character more than waiting till I'm sure. Because that's usually a sign of insecurity or me wanting to have control. And Jesus wants to let, let him have total control. Why? Because what he wants for us is way better than anything we could want for ourselves. Because he's that good. And during these days where there is so much upheaval and so many questions, God has challenged me again. Dan, just lean into who I am. Trust me. And even if you're not sure about something, step out and take steps of guidance. I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, and I've seen that throughout my life. One of the most craziest times of me hearing God had to do when I was overseas in Afghanistan. And God put, sat me down one day. I'm just praying, God, what should I do? And God gave me a very random thing. Now, most of the time when I pray and try to hear God, I hear nothing. Err, nothing. <laughs> do you ever hear nothing? <laughs> I hear nothing all the time. But sometimes I hear, and on that day, I heard something. But I didn't even know what it was. I felt like God say, go pray for three weeks for the Uyghurs. I'm like, what are the Uyghurs? <laughs> I had never heard that word in my life. I found out in Northwest China, here's a map of it, there's 20 to 30 million Muslim people group in that Northwest China, totally unreached with the gospel, and God told me to go pray there for three weeks. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how can I do that? So God says, I want you to go. I said, okay, but I'm not going unless I have a contact. So I made a lot of phone calls to a lot of friends, and I found one guy, and he goes, Dan, I've heard a guy named Terry Hayes. I've met him. He's a friend of mine. He's there. He's from Australia. Now, this was many years ago before you could just search the internet. And I'm like, well, how, where is he? He's like, oh, he's studying in a university there. I'm like, awesome. What's his address? He's like, I don't know. Okay, what's his phone number? I don't know. Is he at a university now? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, what city is he in? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, is he in China? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, I need more information, just a name, you know? 
So I went back to God. I said, God, I really don't have a contact. And I was left with this thing. What should I do? What should I do? And I just wanted to lean forward, trusting a beautiful God rather than stepping back because I'm afraid. So I said, okay, I'm going. The way to get there was to fly to Beijing and take a 92-hour train ride across the country. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> and I got on that train 92 hours. That whole time, I'm like, what am I doing? This is a huge province. That province has over 100 million people. The big city has over 15 million people. And all I have is a name. <laughs> So before I got there, I got nervous walking up and down the train, and I found one Chinese guy who spoke English. I said, where are you going? He said, oh, the last stop. I said, oh, me too. I said, what do you do? He goes, oh, I work here, and my family's coming with our car and picking me up. Where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to see my friend. He said, well, well we give you a ride to your friend. I said, that'd be great. He's like, where's your friend? I said, I, I, that's a good question. <laughs> He's like, well, what's the address? I said, I don't know. He's like, what's the phone number? I said, I don't know. He's like, what does he do? I said, I don't know. I said, he said, is he in the city? I said, I don't know if he's in China. <laughs> and he looks at me like I'm crazy. He said, we can give you a ride. And I'm like, Jesus. And he says, Maine University. So I said, can you take me to the main university? He's like, sure. So he takes me to the main university, drops me off. He leaves. It's minus 30 degrees. <laughs> it's cold. Early morning of March. And I'm all alone. And my first thought was this. Dan, you are such an idiot. <laughs> you could have stayed with your friends. But no, you had to come out here to find this Terry Hayes from Australia. And you know what I was? Is I was desperate for God. I love being desperate for God when all you got is God. <laughs> and if I ever heard God, I think I heard him on that day. He said, walk to the center of the campus. So I walked to the center of the campus. He said, now make a right and go stand in that building. So I stood in that building. As I stood in that building, God said, stand in the lobby for 20 minutes. So I stood there for 20 minutes. Was it God? Was it me? I wasn't sure, but I was going with it. <laughs> the next thing I know is all these people are walking by me and they're staring at me, Chinese Uyghur students, and I'm staring at them. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then God says, now walk down this hallway and knock on the last door on the left. I'm like, okay. So I start walking down. As I'm walking down, there was an adjacent hallway I didn't see. And someone comes from that and makes a right in front of me. He gets in the last door on the left. In other words, if I don't wait those 20 minutes, he's not in his room. I knock on the door, and to my surprise, it's a man from Germany. He speaks fluent English. I said, hi. He said, hi. He said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, oh, just hanging out. He's like, no, you're not just hanging out. What are you doing? I said, well, yeah, I'm uh, here to see my friend. He's like, great, he's at the university? I said, uh, I don't know. Well, what's his address? I said, I don't know. He's like, what's his phone number? I said, I don't know. Is he at the university? I said, I don't know if he's in this city. <laughs> he's like, can I help you? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus. And he, God was like, tell him. 
I said, all I know is I'm looking for a guy named Terry Hayes from Australia. And his eyes got big. He's like, I know him. I'm like, you do? He's like, yes, he came two months ago. We've met twice, we're friends. I know where his apartment is. It's an hour away from here by bus. Do you want me to take you there? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes me to this place and I knock on the door. My German friend leaves and my friend Terry opens the door. We said our greetings. I told him the mutual friend that we had. And he looks at me and he goes, Dan, how did you find me? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> He's like, Dan, tell me your story. So I said, yeah, two weeks ago I was praying one day and I felt like God said, go pray for two, three weeks for the Uyghurs and all I found was your name and here I am. And Terry's just weeping. I said, what's going on? He said, Dan, the building of the kingdom of God is just starting here and there's so much work needed. And two weeks ago, I was on the floor of my room and I prayed to God and I said, God, I pray you'll bring someone here for three weeks to pray for the Uyghurs. And today, Dan, you're knocking on my door. <laughs> Get me fired up. That's who Jesus is. Amen. <laughs> and he took care of my whole time, showed me where to go and I had an amazing time. Now that's maybe a crazy story out there, but what about here? I just flew here from Nashville and as I got on the plane, the Holy Spirit said, Dan, <clears throat> I want you to give your second book, A Beautiful Way, the only book I had in my bag, to the stewardess. I'm like, well, it's kind of, I feel funny. He's like, get over it. <laughs> so she walks by me and as she walks by me, I said, oh, excuse me, um, can I ask you a question? She's like, sure. Um, I'm a Christian. Any chance you're a Christian? <laughs> She's like, actually, I am a Christian. I said, oh, okay. Well, I wrote a book about walking with Jesus a few years ago, and I just sat here, and I felt like Jesus told me to give it to you. And she's just weeping. She's like, you just gave it to me. And I said, yeah, I just felt God wants you to have this book. She's like, I got up today and I said, God, I know you're real, but I just need proof. I pray you'd surprise me with some of your goodness. And here you are giving me this book. Oh. <laughs> Even in everyday normal life, we can hear God. And I love that. I think, yeah, the, the noise is loud, but Jesus is still beautiful. And we get to follow him. It's been such a beautiful thing. Another big part of my journey in these last three years, another thing he's been doing deeper in me is the simple reality of loving people well. And of course, we're hearing so much about it with all these things and realities of, of riots and problems in our nation. And it, I think it just is so clear from the Lord, it's time to love more, it's time to love better, it's time to make an extra effort. And that's been so my own journey as well. And in my journey, I've had moments of which I've shared here before of how God took it to the ultimate level of loving your enemies. And I remember well a time when I was imprisoned in Iran, two death sentences on my life, being beaten every day by this one man. And I'll never forget the first day that he was beating me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. 
I'm like, it's not a good time. <laughs> not a good time. And God said, no, Dan, I want you to love your enemies. And I'm like, God, how? And Jesus said, Dan, ask me what I think of him. And God changed the subject. I love when God changes the subject. Life was all about me, but on God's mind was, yes, me, but also his love for everybody else. And I'm like, Jesus, what do you think of this man? And the love of God hit me, that God knew his name, that God knew everything about him, that God had always loved him and his family. There was just one challenge, and it was that he didn't know it. And I'm like, God, you really love him. He's like, Dan, more than you'll ever know. And I'm like, God, change my heart, change my heart. And all glory to Jesus over the coming weeks, he did. He changed my heart. I'll never forget the last day I went in for my beatings. I would get beatings almost every day or every other day. The last day, though, I went, I had no idea it would be the last day I'd get a beating. I walk in, and there he is. And I was always shaking, and then something happened, and all I can say is Jesus. And I looked at him, and I said this. I said, sir, if we're going to see each other every day the rest of my life, why don't we become friends? He's like, what? I said, yeah, we see each other every day. Let's be friends. He's like, no, we will never be friends. And something rose up within me. And I'm like, no, sir, today things change. And we can start by exchanging names. He had never told, told, called me by my name because my name was 58 because that was the number of my cell. He had never told me his name. That wasn't allowed. And I said, no, sir, today we become friends. And I stuck out my hand to shake his hand. And that's when he froze. And that's when he began to shake. He starts looking around. It's me and him in there. Then he took his hand out of his pocket and he shook my hand. When he shook my hand, he wouldn't let go. Tears started falling down his face. And he looked at me and he said, Dan. And he called me by my name. He said, my name is Rizalk, and I would love to be your friend. There is no heart too hard for Jesus. Jesus can change the hardest heart. He finally let go of my hand, and he wiped the tears from his eyes. He's like, Dan, I'm so glad we're friends. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> He's like, Dan, I'm so, so sorry. I can't get you out of here. I said, I know that. I know you don't have that authority. He's like, no, but in the prison, I can maybe do something. Is there anything you want in the prison? I'm like, yeah, I want a new room. <laughs> you know, a bigger room. He's like, well, let me see what I can do. I never saw that man again in my life. But later that night, the night guard said, sir, we have a new room for you, and it's bigger than this one. And I knew that God had changed that man's heart because there's no heart too hard for Jesus. Why? Because he's really, really good. He's really good. Last year, I had the privilege to go to the Congress and share at the Senate building. I had this invite to come on a day they were going to talk about religious freedom in Iran. It's about 200 people in the room, congressmen, senators, and their workers. 
They had found me on some, uh, one of the persons who was organizing the event had heard my story like 20 years ago about my time in Iran and he wanted to find out if I would come and speak. As he asked me many months before that, I said, yeah, okay, but the only way I'll come is if I can talk about loving your enemies. And he's like, okay. And I knew it would be hard for them to hear probably. But by the grace of God, last year I got to share before these 200 people and tell them the story I just told you. 15 of them came up to me afterwards weeping. They said, we needed to hear what you had to say. Thank you for being so honest. Come on. God wants to raise up a radical revolution of love across the earth. I know that's where God's headed. And whatever it looks like in our own little worlds, may we be those that reach out in love and take initiative to love more than ever. And even if it comes to loving those that are hard to love, may God give us the grace to do it. Why? Because he's worthy. And because Jesus set us the greatest example by being nailed at the cross saying, God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The fourth thing that's been raising on my heart in these last few months has been the simple reality of the Great Commission, the simple reality that God wants us to go. There's been so much in these last months. Yeah, okay, that's, God says go, but we shouldn't. <laughs> no, God says go. And I've just been so thinking about God's heart for the world. We know of in the last couple years over a thousand Taliban that are following Jesus today. I, Afghanistan, where I go all the time, we know many of the most radical Muslims in the world that are coming to Jesus. We're, we know what God's doing. In Saudi Arabia, which has been a closed nation for 40 years, next year we're starting our first discipleship school in YWAM. And we're going to have like 30 people, including Saudi believers. Come on, that's what Jesus wants to do. I get so excited about Dubai. I was just in Dubai. And not only is it starting to open up economically, but Dubai has signed a pact with Israel. Come on. Come on. How good is God that he would get the nations of the Gulf together to say, we like Israel. Come on. That's who Jesus is. He's up to good things. He's up to really good things. And when I think of the Great Commission, I'm just so challenged about God's heart for the world and his love for the world. I've had many visions for the world, and one that came back to me so much during these days has been one I had a few years ago, where I was worshiping in my room, and as I was worshiping, I felt like God said, Dan, I want to give you a picture of what's happening. And all of a sudden, I saw the cities of the world, like LA and New York and Zurich and Frankfurt and Delhi and <clears throat> Johannesburg, Sydney, all over the world, cities I'd heard of and been to. And what I saw in these cities was thousands and thousands of people running to the centers of the town. And in the centers of these towns was young people, people you don't know, all ages as well, but all they were doing is worshiping Jesus, just worshiping Jesus. And the people were flooding from their homes, from their workplaces. Why? Because the presence of God was falling in these cities. 
That's where God's headed, friends. That's where his name is going to be preached publicly all across this earth. That's where God's headed, and we get to be a part of it. The Great Commission is not just something we read about in a book. No, it's where the God of the universe is headed, and we get to be a part of it. And I'm so excited. <laughs> I get fired up. Because <laughs> we're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We're a part of something that's so much bigger than what we see. I'm so excited to have a part of it. And as we even think locally here, I'm excited for you guys and for what God has for you. One of the things that's opening up actually coming in January is a new perspectives course. The body of Christ around the world for many, many years has run these things called a perspectives course. A course to get a greater awareness of world missions, both historically and how to get involved in the future. And in January, here even at your church, they're going to start running that course. And it's a simple way to start to get involved in thinking more beyond our world. So these are just thoughts I've had in these days. Thank you so, so much for letting me come back and be with you. Thank you for letting me share my heart. Amen. God bless you.